Focused, determined, and passionate are the three words I would use to describe Stacey Kester and Missy Bloxham, two women part of a larger cohort who have become a force to be reckoned with in the case of Irene Gakwa. I'm Renee Nelson, and this is Unsolved Wyoming. If you haven't already listened to the Irene Gakwa episode, it's the first episode of Unsolved Wyoming. Stacy and Missy share their journey in becoming an organized unit, their efforts, and some deeper insights into Irene's story. As always, I have an update with Desiree Tinoco, so be sure to stay tuned. Hi, folks. I have Missy and Stacy with me today. And I didn't get Missy's last name. And so I'm just going to have you ladies introduce yourself real quick. Um, I'm Missy Bloxham. I'm Stacy Kester. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining me. You're joining me because, oh my gosh, I am just in awe. I've been watching, Stacey, your TikToks since they started playing on the Find Irene Facebook group. And so to give folks kind of some context who aren't in the group, you are all kind of like this force of women who are kind of carrying the torch for their, the Gakwa family since they're not here. They're not local in Gillette. And are, you know, putting together searches and doing all this incredible stuff on behalf of Irene. So can you tell us about how this started for you and kind of what your connection to Irene is? Well, to be honest, sorry, I can't really talk. Um, We don't really have a connection to Irene. I guess is the best way to say it to begin with, other than, I mean, we didn't have a connection to Irene. Now, you, we are Irene's family here in Gillette. Um, we started off a group, we kind of just got to chatting about the case when it was becoming so known after some information came out. And, you know, we have a lot of resources here between us ladies. And we started using those to search for answers. None of us have actually met Irene. I mean, I think that's what, so I don't know if you had the opportunity to listen to the interview that I did with Kennedy, Irene's oldest brother, but he just spoke so highly of how the community has come together in Gillette surrounding his sister's disappearance and so is it it, and because we never did find out that was actually um a like a friend of hers or a a fellow student and a fellow nursing student who took that out yeah i I believe so that way it wasn't us we didn't do the billboard okay gotcha that's amazing and so you just decided you were getting together so what about this case really kind of hooked you in Um, For me, it started out, um, so 
one of the other girls that is in our group, um, Lacey, she's my best friend. And her mom and dad live next door to Nathan and Irene. Oh, my gosh. So right so there. So it was very close. And then I kind of, I live over by by her parents. So it was it was kind of close to home for me. Um, and there's just something to be said about a visitor in our community. I mean, she was new to our, our community. She um, was originally from, or she is originally from Kenya. Um, it bothered me that, like, uh, that's, that, that, that anything like this could even happen to, like, a newcomer to our our town. Right. Right. And so I, I guess I want to follow up with a question because I've been trying to figure this out and you may know more than I do since you are right there in the thick of it. But what is Nathan's connection to Gillette? Nothing. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't have one. So he just picked Gillette to move him and Irene to and just settled there. I think that it, it was away from Boise, Idaho from her family or I, I, I don't know. I, I think that he was trying to isolate her. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, one of the conversations that I had after the, the interview that I had with Kennedy was actually with the director of Safe House, Cheyenne, and definitely a telltale sign is that isolation from family and friends and the community that she was starting to get connected with in Boise, Idaho, right? And her brothers being there. And so, yes, I would say that's a classic sign. And one of the things that you mentioned too in one of your TikToks, Stacey, was that there is reports that Irene actually sold her car a couple of weeks prior. It's not a report. It is a hundred percent factual basis. Um, on January 15th, the transaction actually started on January 13th. Um, it's when they first went to the dealership to see about selling the car and how much they could get for it. Now, um, the person who actually bought Irene's car is a longtime, long, long time family friend. As I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of resources here in Gillette. And, um, so when it was brought to my attention about the car, we did some checking. The transaction started on January 13th. Um, they went into, uh, a local dealership here and proposed selling the car to see what they would, could get for it. Now, the person who bought the car described Irene as, as being very uncomfortable. It looked like she was being guided. She wouldn't answer a question without Nathan. She'd look at Nathan first. Basically all the telltale signs of somebody being controlled to do something. But yes, her car was sold January 15th. And the day that the car was actually surrendered and the check was given, Irene showed up in her vehicle to drop it off. And she did not get out of her vehicle until Nathan showed up and said, said that she could. Wow. And I do know this to be factual basis. And so, because we know that she was attending classes at the, at the community college there. And then that she also had two jobs 
that she was working in one as a as a home aide of some sort and then another at either one of the I can't remember if it was FedEx or UPS or U- USPS but so then clearly was having to rely on Nathan to get her to and from those jobs and to classes most likely yes oh which my- makes absolutely no sense on why her car would be sold when she is the one that actually had to leave her home for work right right wow that is incredibly that's definitely painting a more in-depth picture of kind of what was going on in her life prior to her disappearance well and a little bit more in depth on the whole car thing was she was asked several times by the purchaser of the vehicle sure you want to sell this or do you want to trade it so you have your own vehicle and nathan actually told the gentleman we already bought her another car when there was in fact no other car bought for irene okay one of the questions that I guess has been kind of in the back of my mind as I've been watching, you know, everything that's been posted in the Find Irene Facebook group and just your group's amazing organization and the clear passion that you have for doing these searches is how is law enforcement currently treating the the case? How Like, what's your read on the whole situation? I believe that the the law enforcement is very invested. I okay. I I feel that this is not something that they um choose to tolerate. Um they have um there during our searches like mm-hmm. we've found things or you know suspicious just things that did maybe seemed suspicious to us and they, they acted immediately. And that, that, I don't know, that said a lot to me. Like they didn't, they didn't hesitate. They didn't, you know, like blow us off. They acted immediately. Good. No, I'm, that's amazing to hear. I'm really glad to hear that the law enforcement is being incredibly supportive of your searches and is responding then to anything that you are finding and or questions that you have. So I think that, I know that makes me feel better for sure, knowing that it's not just vigilante, you know, effort in terms of you you going for it, but also, you know, that you have the law enforcement support and it sounds cohesive in your relationship. I think that's fantastic. What else would you want listeners to hear about what's going on currently. I I think I saw a post recently. I can't remember if it was yesterday or today, but that Irene's birthday is coming up. Is that correct? It is tomorrow. Yes, it is. Now, um, her family is doing an online kind of birthday vigil. Um, They're actually going to have a physical one there in Boise, but there is an event on Irene's Facebook page. Everyone is welcome to join um, to help celebrate her birthday with Chris and Kennedy, Lucinda, and Joyce. That's incredible. Well, I guess another question is, has this sparked any interest in looking at other cases in your area? Any other mis- missing person cases? It <laughs> it has. There's some that come into question that you wonder about. But our main focus right now is to find Irene and find answers. Um, you know, A lot of people, we do come from a great community here and people are amazing. 
but the fact is that Nathan and Irene were not from here. They're not a name well known here. And so I don't think it's gotten the attention that it needed. I will say a huge shout out to reporters here. Um, they have been super great at keeping Irene's name out there. And we really appreciate that so much. Another thing we'd want is Campbell County is a lot of open area. Um, a lot of ranchers, a lot of fields that we're needing to get permission to search on. Um, we are reaching out on our own, of course, but you know, there's a lot of them and we don't know all of them. So if, if somebody has contacts to the ranchers, um, our next upcoming searches, we're going to be looking at having horses and four wheelers and side by sides, stuff that we can get into the country. And so anybody who wants to get involved, everybody is welcome. And I also want to say that we, we are not, we are not like trying to like overstep our bounds. So, I mean, we respect people's privacy and we respect their land. And I mean, it, even if you don't want to like give us permission to search, if you, you yourself or your, you know, your ranch hands or whatever, like if people could just really take a, a second to, to go look and report any strange or peculiar things. Um, we, we still need to find that barrel 55 gallon metal barrels are, but they're, they're everywhere. Um, if you find one on your property that is not yours, I mean, obviously report it. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily, I mean, we, we aren't trying to, you know, bombard people. Um, we aren't trying to invade their privacy or whatever. Um, but if people that are landowners or whatever that have a lot of property, if, if they could pay, pay attention and, and report things that are not normal on their land. Definitely. And can you give a description of that barrel? I know that there was a TikTok not just recently where you actually had a more thorough description of the barrel in question. We are looking for a gray and red Phillips 66 55 gallon metal barrel. Great. That's I think that's incredibly helpful. Uh, I know that I, I've mentioned it since I've seen it, but it's good for people to to hear it again. Sometimes we have to hear it two or three times right before it sinks in. One of the last questions I have too is, so I know one of the things that you also organized, one of the events you also organized was a peaceful protest in front of Nathan's house. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? Well, he called fantastic. the police on us. <laughs> it went fantastic for us. Right. Um, he did call law enforcement on us to tell us that and on us to tell us that that um we or to tell them that we were disturbing him. But now even when the police showed up and went to his door, he wouldn't answer the door for the police. Now we know for a fact he could hear us because, you know, the contacting the police, we were not out of line. We were very respectful towards the neighbors, even so much so that if neighbors, you know, arrived at home or came outside we would go up and ask them if if they were okay with us being there. We wanted to make sure we weren't upsetting their children or them. We had the full neighborhood support as well, and that was beautiful. I'll go ahead and let Missy tell you about her one-on-one -on -one combos. 
Um, so I could hear him in his house. Like at first we, we didn't know even if he was home. I mean, I, I can't imagine him going anywhere, but, uh, we, we, we didn't even know if he was home. Um, all the windows, you know, are, are closed up and, and covered. Um, but we could hear him at, Oh, after about an hour of, and actually it was after the police had come and gone. I think that was very frustrating for him because we, we weren't breaking any laws and, and law enforcement, you know, just told us to be respectful and they left. Um, so I, I can imagine that was very incredibly frustrating for him, but we could hear him stomping and, and slamming doors in, in his house and, and at one point, like, he's just, like, yelling, like, not verbal, like, words, but just, you know, ah, or whatever. And um, so at that point, I realized that he could hear us. And I could see the, the blinds um, on the side of, of his house moving. And so I, I realized that he was he was there, and that was excellent. And I just spoke to him it was a very one-sided conversation um I just let him know that like we will go away when we find her um if he if he could just tell us where she's at or he doesn't even have to tell us like we're not detectives we're not law enforcement we're just a small group of women that that care and um he he doesn't he's not obligated to talk to us um, but he could, however, talk to law enforcement. He could cooperate with law enforcement, and that would really help him not look like he's hiding something or look like he's guilty of something. And um, he just, I, I mean, we could just hear him, like, stomping up and down the hallway, slamming doors, um, just, I mean, very, very upset, so... That's that's fascinating. I think because and and Stacey, I, I think I watched your one on that you posted on Sunday, and you said something really interesting. And I think this is something to that our listeners, you know, unsolved Wyoming listeners would like to hear is that you know you're not necessarily you know knee jerk reaction saying that you know Nathan Heitman is guilty of how did you say it. I'm trying to think how you said it, but that you're not the per- the woman to say that like, oh, it's the husband or it's the boyfriend and, you know, they're 100% guilty. You want to hear all the facts. And so, and really your goal here isn't to say like to omit guilt, but to be cooperative with the police. Correct? That is correct. I mean, we, we are not law enforcement. We are not lawyers. We are not prosecuting attorneys. As Missy said, we're just a group of women who care. Um, right. And... It is not our job to determine Nathan's guilt or non-guilt, but when you act guilty and everything you do paints a picture of guilt, that is public perception. And now we've hosted a candlelight vigil. We've hosted three on the ground searches. Not once has he participated. If he had nothing to hide, he wouldn't be hiding. And, you know, it just, it, it really blows my mind. Now, I'm married. Um, Missy's married. If, if our husbands were to be missing for five hours and we didn't know where they were, 
we would be on the ground looking for them. We'd be making every phone call we could to find them. That is what you do for the people you love. You don't hide in your house and act like they never existed. And, you know, sorry to jump around, but a big part of this case that needs to be out there is when Irene went missing, he transferred all the money from her account to his and not all at once. It was and in, he didn't just transfer the money. He, he spent used it. it. And right. on top of that, he maxed out her credit cards. Now, if if me and my husband were in a fight and he left and I had access to his credit cards, I'm probably not going to go max him out knowing that he's going to come home beyond pissed and probably, or sorry, beyond angry and probably leave me again, you know? So... The fact that not only did he transfer her money, but he also used it and then maxed out her credit cards kind of says he knew she wasn't coming back. Subsequently changed her banking password. And so and canceled her email. Yeah. And so deleted yeah, her Facebook. Yeah. Because she um, did have a Facebook. Right. And the WhatsApp too. I mean, there's search warrants, the the affidavits that came out, you know, with everything there. Um they're that, I mean, it's definitely he has committed some. Definitely, there's there's guilt in terms of the felony fraud charges that he's committed. You know, with her finances for sure, and so, and I think that's something too that is is kind of glaring in this in this case. And so, because you know, um, being a crime junkie myself, which is definitely the reason why I started this podcast in that sometimes we get so tunnel visioned, you know, about a case that we can miss, you know, really important, uh, another suspect or, you know, a potential, you know, a potential lead. And so, you know, uh, and I think that's really important here. And what you're saying isn't necessarily that we obviously see this evidence and that we know that he's committed these crimes, but that the pressure isn't to admit guilt to anything else, but just to cooperate with her, disappearance and I think that's what's really important I think that's what I'm so impressed by in terms of you know watching you ladies from afar down here in Cheyenne is if I go missing I know who I'm calling (laughs) so (laughs) or I'm gonna make sure that you are that you're in my contacts and you know and you know, and that, that people know to call it's you. It's funny because we also <laughs> said that about each other. Ellie, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we will never disappear. That is for sure because everybody's <laughs> going to know that yes. we're going to be looking for each other and we won't. That That's our big thing. We, we kind of got our own little motto and we stand by it. And I'm sure if you're watching my TikToks, you hear me say it every time. We will not stop until we bring Irene home. And we firmly stand behind that. I, I think that's incredible. And I think that's what's so, you know, gripping about, you know, watching this is, you know, not only, you know, do, you know, I think that Irene has become, you know, a community member of not just Gillette, but of Wyoming. And so, and, you know, the people who are invested in her story, you know, listening to Kennedy's interview, I know that, you know, Chris has done interviews and, you know, there are people, you know, her family deeply misses her people miss her and we just want to see a conclusion to the story and I think having folks like you in her community not only speaks you know highly about you but speaks about Gillette and also reflects really greatly on Wyoming and that Wyoming is full of good people and so even though bad things happen there are good people here who want to make sure 
that wrong is is righted and I think that's what's the best thing about this is you know the silver lining in this cloud is that there are good people in Wyoming well and you know one thing I want to point out you had mentioned it in the beginning of this was what brought them here why Gillette Wyoming I honestly think I think all of us girls they speak for all of us girls when we say Nathan didn't bank on a group of women getting together to search for her. He, this is my personal thoughts. This is not coming from him. But our thoughts are that he did not expect people to look for her. He brought her someplace to seclude her and never planned that a group of women would jump in. I think he seriously thought he would get here. I think this was all planned. And he got a lot more than he bargained for when us group of women did step in and now he's realizing that we're not going to stop. And he's really frustrated. He's very <laughs> frustrated about it. I, I, I think you are probably right in that. Well, obviously he's frustrated. You, you can hear him screaming. And then, <laughs> but then also too, that, you know, and I think that's, you know, I don't know if you had the opportunity to listen to the Renee Jurgen case out of Torrington. It's the only unsolved missing persons case out of Torrington and it's a woman that Renee briefly met named Jess Oaks who has kind of taken on her you know her story and and has been pestering the police and has gotten the investigation going and so but I I think that's what happened is like nobody banked on Jess right nobody knew that Jess was going to come out of you know left field and and go looking for Renee and um that was 18 years ago and so and it's still it's still being worked on and so i am gonna hope and pray that we don't have to wait that long to you know have a conclusion to to irene's story but i think you're right i got super excited when you said that because i actually know all about jess oaks oh yeah because (laughs) she's a badass (laughs) like i just i have not actually spoken to her but you know when we first started this us ladies were kind of thinking, what can we do to get answers? What can we do? Who can we reach out to for help? We actually reached out to a um, search team that has live find dogs and cadaver dogs. And he actually shared the information of Jess Oaks with me. She's incredible. And so she is in that Renee... Renee Diane Jurgen uh, episode, which I dropped on the 8th, so July 8th, she's on there for about a half an hour talking about, you know, her, you know, involvement and what she's done. And, and her and I have talked extensively and she's just, she's an inf- incredible woman who, you know, again, like I, and I, I say it like five times I told her, I was like, you're going to be totally embarrassed by this episode because I gush about you the entire time. <laughs> and so, but yeah, I think she's, you know, I think that's one thing I'm finding um, about doing these cases is that there's like these pockets of amazing women in Wyoming who are like, nah, not on our watch. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad to find more women who have joined the club. So Gillette is lucky to have you. All people are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. At this point, Nathan Heitman is facing charges on four counts of felony level fraud, but has not stood trial. I'll report any updates in the future. Hey, Desiree, how are you this morning? Good, how are you? Good, good. So 
what do you have for us this week? Any new cases from DCI or cases that have been closed? Yeah, we've got a lot of great news. Uh, so as of today, five cases from the database have been removed. Two from Natrona County, one from Laramie County, another from Sheridan County, and the fifth from Fremont County. One new case has been added to DCI's database. Alfred Brown, age 57, was last seen June 14th. He's a white male, approximately 5'9", 200 pounds, with brown hair and eyes. He was last seen wearing a black shirt and driving a white Dodge Caravan. He has a pierced left ear and a scar on his chin. Anyone with information, please contact Casper Police Department at 307-235-8278. And I should mention a family member of his has added some information to the Missing People of Wyoming group. Uh, so I think some of the information DCI has on this uh, individual may not be current. Uh, so if you want to read more on that, feel free to go to the Facebook page and check that out. Uh, law enforcement throughout the state has been turning to social media more and more for missing persons cases. It's great to see them utilizing Facebook because it's so up to the minute. DCI typically waits a week before they add cases to their database because the turnover is so fast with missing persons cases. Uh, the majority of cases are resolved relatively fast. So when they revamped their website and database, this was the most effective way they found to handle cases. Having said that, turn to law enforcement, social media, watching over what they're up to. And uh, they've, they've really been sharing a lot lately. I'd love to see them turning to Facebook for all this stuff. Cheyenne Police Department has shared three missing persons flyers. Laramie Police Department has shared a flyer. And lastly, Rock Springs Police Department has shared a flyer. All cases, I believe, were resolved in less than 48 hours. And with all active missing persons cases, you can call DCI at 307-777-7181. They also have the option to submit tips anonymously on their website. That's incredible. I know. It's been such a wonderful week for missing persons. That's fantastic. And, you know, obviously being from Cheyenne myself and living in Cheyenne, I do follow both the Laramie Laramie PD as well as the Cheyenne PD and I have to say that they have been so good about posting and keeping people updated and when a case has been you know or when a missing person or a runaway has been reported that it's closed and so I think that's just such a fantastic way for law enforcement to utilize you know social media as it's meant to, in a way, yeah. you know, to share that information quickly. So Desiree, I'm so excited to hear that. I know. Yes, it's wonderful to see them. I know Cheyenne for quite some time has been sharing missing persons flyers. And the second they're found any information, they're very uh, prompt on updating it. So it's been a great resource for us uh, just being able to verify cases that haven't yet been entered into the the public database, you know, uh, just, just be able to get that information out there to the public. I think it's absolutely uh, wonderful. And and many other uh, police departments and sheriff's offices throughout the, the state are, are following as well. Right. And I think one thing to point out for smaller police departments that aren't necessarily utilizing Facebook frequently or consistently is that I know for Cheyenne PD, they actually have a social media person, right? Like a PR person who runs all of that stuff. I'm going to assume some of the larger police departments do and so it's definitely one of those things as you and I both know that 
running a Facebook page or any type of social media platform, it can be a full-time job. And so, you know, maybe we can encourage those police departments to maybe hire an intern or reach out, you know, for a volunteer who would, you know, help you know, run those pages and, and help them get that information out if they don't have the resources within their own, you know, police department to do so. Yeah, that's wonderfully said. Uh, we tend to forget a lot of those uh, smaller counties and towns, they don't really have the resources available. Uh, and, you know, missing persons, it's uh, very timely and very expensive. Uh, if I had it my way, our state would go broke with handling all the missing persons cases. Right. Uh, but uh, it, it, you know, it, it does give me hope, and uh, I, I love to see, uh, I love to see them turning to social media more and more, and just having stuff verified through them. It's great, absolutely wonderful. Good, Desiree. Well, thank you. Do you have anything else to share with everybody today? Nope, that's all for today. Thank you so much, folks. This week is Irene's thirty-third birthday, so if you have a moment, make a wish for her and her family. I'll talk to you next week.